0: Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. usual hey, I am. <laughs> Okay, you guys. The time has come where we are no longer on the Kardashians. We're back in our nostalgic era, which I'm not mad about necessarily. But God, was I hyper focused on how much I miss the
1: Hulu show. I know I miss it too. <laughs> I really I felt that absence very, very deeply. I actually felt like I was almost happier to have a spinoff than like a regular episode of a regular season throwback because it still felt like somewhat of a treat.
0: Well, yes. For anybody who is unaware, we are on Courtney and Kim Take New York season one, episodes four and five. And it doesn't even feel like you're watching Kardashians. It really feels like we are in some other universe here.
1: You know, last week we were talking about how Chris in that podcast that she did for Deadline said that they aren't focused on the spinoffs right now, mainly because they aren't in different places anymore. And after we had that conversation, I was like, thinking to myself, I was like, what's the word that I would use to describe the spin-offs? Camp. The spin-offs are camp. In the words of Carly Kloss, the
0: spin-offs are looking camp in the eye
1: right in the goddamn
0: eye (laughs) no but it's so true and that's why i said last week that i totally get them not doing spinoffs and i don't even want them to because there's no way they could recreate this i mean what we're experiencing in this episode not only is it the beginning of scott's lord era but it's also kim hooking up with the bodyguard i mean we're doing shit that never in our wildest dreams would they even remotely attempt
1: to do now mentally how do you think you're gonna handle chloe and lamar Not good. I know that I'm in for it. I just know that. What about you? Yeah, no, I mean I already obviously know not good. That's why I asked.
0: Okay. So part of this episode really centers around the fact that Kim is turning 30. And to put it kindly, she's going through it. I mean, she is really stressed out about the concept of not only aging, but also this is not where she expected to be at 30. I think she thought she was going to be married with two to three kids. And the fact that she's not even really in a relationship, it's really, you can see, taking a toll
1: on her mentally. Birthdays are stressful. Birthdays are really, really stressful. And so, especially the big ones, like the landmark birthday numbers. So, to watch her go through that felt so relatable because I think birthdays are one of those things where you hit a certain number. And this is not for everybody. Some people, their birthday comes around, they don't even think about it. But what you were seeing here with Kim is, no matter how much you have going on in your life, I think you hit a certain number and you're reminded of the things that you haven't done yet.
0: I think that watching someone else experience that, at least for me, puts it a lot more in perspective because not to say I didn't have empathy or compassion for what she was going through. I do think that birthdays can be triggering for a whole host of reasons. But to me, I'm like, oh my God, don't be so ridiculous here. You're 30 you've your whole life ahead of you, which is interesting because, that's gonna be me in a few years. And I think that it was important to kind of put it in perspective of like, I see how ridiculous I feel that she's being, even though I get it, that there's no reason for me to then also go through that.
1: <laughs> I mean, I am not a birthday person at all. So I so got what she was what she was saying and going through.
0: It's funny because obviously they're in New York and they're going to Vegas for her birthday. And it wasn't even a question. It was kind of like the natural thing they were gonna do. She was hosting a party. It's something they've been doing for years. Every time I see her there, I always think to myself, like, how did they get on this trend? Because this is not Kim. I understand it for Chloe. I understand it for Courtney, for Rob, for Scott. But this has never been a thing that Kim enjoys. I feel like Vegas in general is the antithesis of what she considers to be a good time. Yet they were so in the routine of just going there for her birthday.
1: I feel like Kim's entire world opened up once she realized that she could just have a dinner party. Right. She didn't
0: have to do this. There was no longer this need to do it in order to stay relevant. And also there were so many other avenues for her to make money.
1: Right. It's like, you don't need to do an appearance. You don't need to do a whole party. You definitely don't need to drink and go out and stay out all night. Like you can just have a really nice dinner and that really covers it. And I honestly, my guess is that Kim's entire view of birthdays changed once she realized she could just do that and be happy.
0: (laughs) It's very interesting, though, timeline-wise for a second, because this episode was filmed in 2010. Kim's 30th birthday was October 21st, 2010. She started dating Chris Humphreys literally a month later, right? So November 2010. They got married August 2011. As we know, they filed for divorce just a few months later. North was born in June 2013. So two years after her marriage to Chris, three years after her 30th birthday, roughly, was when North was born. Her and Kanye got married in May 2014. So in the course of four years, she had a mental breakdown about turning 30. She then got into what she thought was the relationship of her dreams. She then got out of that relationship and then really embarked on what she would consider kind of the quote life of her dreams. And then to really bring it full circle, her 40th birthday 10 years later was October 2020. She files for divorce February of 2021. And technically, she's declared legally single as of March of this year. So in the course of 12 years, I mean, she really went through so many different phases of life, not only in terms of what she was actually experiencing, but also her reaction to those experiences. Because I think she would say that now her 40s are the
1: best year. Oh, I mean, a million percent she would say her 40s are. And and when you break down what Kim was able to do in between her 30th birthday and present day. I mean, it's crazy to think about, like, it's really crazy, but especially for Kim, whose entire life goal when she was growing up was just to be famous. Like when she was in her twenties, like the goal was fame. And so at her 30th birthday, my guess of what was going through her head was like, it it can't get more than this. Like this is as famous as I can get. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you're a reality star, the way that Kim was, I don't think she ever thought that her fame would get greater than it was 30 years old in Vegas. Her entire family's there. They all have this reality show. Like that is peak. And so for all of these other things to fall in line, that's one thing. But for Kim's goal of just fame to be on a continual rise and a whole other level than it was at 30. That's what's crazy to think about too.
0: Well, I was actually thinking about that in the scene when they're walking into the nightclub. And you see, I mean, the place is lined. The entire casino is lined. They have full security, which of course now is the norm. I mean, they can't go anywhere without it being a giant mob basically. But I don't think I fully realized that this was happening at the time. And then when I watched this episode, I was like, oh shit, they've been not this famous for this long, but they've been very famous for a very long time because- No matter who you are, I mean, let's think Jennifer Aniston, for example, or someone like that, that is objectively one of the most famous people in the world. They don't have a crowd following them like this because that's just not the way they handle their fame. Whereas the Kardashians, because they've done it this route from the beginning, these type of crowds have been following them for a while now. This isn't anything new necessarily.
1: Right. And that's one of the things that they still speak about, which is using the size of those crowds and using the fact that those crowds exist as a barometer for their fame. And I think it's Kim that talks about when she was at that donut shop and this massive crowd had just formed outside and she had this realization of like, oh my God, all of these people are here for me. And so I think that they never shied away from the crowd because it was always such a tangible example of their fame, even to this day, I think.
0: Oh, for sure to this day. I mean, I know this is such a ridiculous example, but- last week when we were telling the story about how (laughs) we were literally walking downtown and that's when Kim happened to be walking out of the Freedom Tower from her appearance, even that small crowd that formed, she was so thrilled to take pictures with every single person. And I mean, again, this is one small little anecdote, but I really do think that the in-person interactions is something that again, that she learned from Paris Hilton, she has never lost sight of the importance of when she can. I mean, listen, sometimes it's a security risk. Sometimes when there are so many people, you just have to get right in the car and you really can't take the time to do it. But when it's in a controlled enough environment, I think she will always take advantage of those moments because it does bring her back to the early days. And I don't think that's lost on her. You can make the argument that it's maybe lost on some of the other ones. I don't think it's lost on her.
1: No, I don't think it's lost on her either. I don't think it's lost on Chloe. But I, when we saw Kim do that, when she walked outside and there was a very small crowd of people there waiting for her as she walked out, she stopped, she took selfies. It wasn't a whole thing. It wasn't like she spent the entire day there. She obviously had somewhere to be, but she very much made sure to stop and take the time to do that. And I remember saying to you, like, you know, I've seen her do that in a million videos of her walking out of a hotel or walking somewhere and stopping and taking a selfie but to see it in person was a whole other story because you're like, oh, wow, she she really does that. Like That's not an act. Like, that is a real thing that she did. There was probably 10 or 12 people there. And even for a crowd that was that small, she still stopped to make sure she did that. But
0: again, you watch any video of Paris Hilton, she does the exact same thing. And by the way, I don't blame any celebrity for not doing that. I think it's overwhelming in the moment. But I really just think the era of celebrity and fame that Kim was on the come up with, you know those LA nightclubs and outside of Kitson like there's always a part of me and I would love to ask her this if she ever feels transported back to those times when she's out in a situation like this and someone asks for a selfie because in a a way in a weird way it almost is reminiscent on those times because one could make the argument almost that she's like progressed past the quote need to do that or more than that just follow me for a second almost like progressed past the accessibility to do that. You know, like you don't think of someone this famous being
1: able to be stopped for a selfie. Does that thought process make sense or not really? Right, and that's the thing. It's not like Kim needs to do this to prove some like PR move. Like, oh, you know, like I have to look really good when I walk out. She doesn't have to do that. Most celebrities, I would say 98% of them walk out of a building and do not stop for anybody and they just get into their car and go. That's the norm. It's not like Kim is some celebrity on the come up where she's like, wow, I need every fan I can get. Or like, I really want to garner this reputation early in the game. Like, th- the reputation's kind of on lock. So it is, I mean, yeah, it's interesting to watch her continue to do this, but it clearly comes from a place of want, not need.
0: Right. I do think it's a want, but also I think on some larger scale, it's like almost paying homage to her earlier days when this is what she thrived off of. I really feel to you, and I, again, want to talk to her about this so badly on a microphone. I really feel like there's a part of Kim that even though one could make the argument is so jaded and so this is really her world now and no part of it feels like exciting necessarily to her. I really do think there's always a part of her that is very in touch with this you know, 20 something year old girl that just wanted this so badly. I don't think that spirit's ever left her. And I think that's the reason it's been able to sustain itself for that long.
1: And I think she would 100% agree with that.
0: So Mother's Day is coming up. And I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. Frizz free up your schedule with Way, go to dot com and enter promo code Celebs for 15% off any product. That's dot OUAI.com promo code celebs. The second plot of this episode is really kind of centered around Scott because obviously we're coming off of his Vegas situation with the money in the waiter's mouth and all of that. And so he's agreed to Courtney that he's going to stay sober for the moment. So initially he comes with them to Vegas for Kim's birthday. They get off the plane. I mean, they're literally at the airport and he turns to Courtney and he's like, you know what? I'm already sensing this is not a good idea. I'm feeling some anger. I'm feeling some desire to drink. I think for everyone's sake, I don't want to have a redo. Let me just go back. And he flies back to New York. And you see when they eventually get to the hotel and they tell Chris about it, everyone's reaction is one of just honestly, pure pride and happiness that he had that self-awareness. And I think I forgot how this episode went. Like I obviously remembered it, but I didn't remember their reactions. And I was so glad and felt so relieved that Chris was so supportive of that because at this point in time, she wasn't a Scott fan necessarily. I know she'd started to get on board, but she still really wasn't a fan. So I totally could have seen a world in which she was like, wow, I can't believe he doesn't have it in him. I can't believe he can't even stick it out for this weekend. But she was like, no, how good that he knows his limitations and he removed himself from the
1: situation. I was thinking back, like, when did I become such a Scott fan? Because it's, it's not a possible scenario where I had not been a Scott fan until well after him and Courtney were broken up. Like there had to have been something in me where I was such a Scott fan that I was able to forgive him for all of his transgressions in the past. And if I had to pinpoint it to exactly when I was like, I am Scott's number one fan, it was this season of Kim and Courtney take New York.
0: Okay. By the way, a thousand percent understood because he was so additive, but if you had to pinpoint why that shift occurred, what would you say?
1: I think it was a combination of the entering of just the Lord era in general. But more than that, I felt like he was his best self this season. Like he was funny without compromise. He was completely unfiltered. He said every single thing that came to his mind in the best way possible. But he also wasn't a destructive version of himself. And so you just every single episode got the best funniest Scott. And I think he was also, not to
0: say on his best behavior, because I think that that would imply that he was almost faking it. But I do think that it really hit him, his most recent conversation with Courtney. And he was really attempting to put in the work. And I think that you could see it.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, Scott had a lot of ups and downs. That was always the thing. And it's, you know, it's like, I have a tricky memory when I watch these episodes back because I'm like, wow, he was doing so well. Like, when did he fall again? Like, what is the timeline here? Like, was he good until his parents' death? I remember some things in between. It was a rocky road with a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but the highs were really highs and the lows were really lows. And what you're experiencing this season is like the highest of the highs.
0: Yeah. The really the highest of the highs. And you want to know why
1: I think we also were such a fan of it?
0: Why? Because there was a direct correlation with Courtney's likability.
1: Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you. I loved Courtney and Scott together as a couple. Like I loved the version of Courtney at this time when she was with Scott that changed over time. And a lot of that was a direct result of Scott's behavior. But just looking at this period of time, the way that Scott, the way that Scott and Courtney were, the way they interacted with each other, the way they interacted with the people around them, like Both of them were just, I think, to me, at their peak.
0: Yeah, and understandably so. Courtney was so much lighter. And I get it. I mean, there was a reason that she had this real heaviness before because her family was at odds with her boyfriend. He was obviously behaving in a way that was not appealing. It was really stressing her out. And I think that the way that he was maturing, it only benefited her. And you could really see that just in terms of her general serenity and her aura. And also, you know, you have to remember... They were young at this time. Like Kim was just turning 30. Let's say Courtney was what, 31, 32 at this time. Scott's younger than Courtney. And as we know, men mature slower than women. So aside from everything else that was happening, there was also the very legitimate factor of just his age.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's so true. This was when Scott became an icon in my mind. Like this is when Scott cemented himself as part of this whole franchise.
0: And by the way, also as a necessity for the show in terms of the one-liners and the humor and just really bringing that fun. I mean, he was a full-blown character at this point.
1: Full-blown. You're a thousand percent correct. The one-liners are out of control. That is some of Scott's best work. And I think, by the way, that's what's missing from the Kardashians. I would love a couple more just Scott one-liners.
0: Wait, the other thing that I meant to say earlier is that Obviously, at the end of this episode, he wants to show Kim, just because I couldn't be in Vegas, I really do want to be there to celebrate your birthday. So he plans her this entire surprise birthday dinner in New York, and he gives this little speech, whatever. I was watching this, Julie, and this was 12 years ago, right? This episode was shot in 2010. And all I could think about is that if 12 years ago, Scott was throwing Kim a birthday dinner and he was saying in his speech, you are a sister to me, you you are my family, all of that. How do people just remove that from their memory when they're now evaluating the situation and not like, of
1: course he feels like this is his fucking family. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this has been his family for 15 years. I think that in order to take the stance, and I've thought about this so much, and I've analyzed the people in our DMs and the people who say it on Twitter— I think in order to take the stance that Scott not being allowed at family events or not being invited to things or not being included in the way that he always had been, I think in order to really believe that you have to have not watched consistently through. I think there has to have been gaps in terms of your Kardashian viewing. Maybe you watched the beginning and didn't tune back in until this season. Maybe you picked up a couple seasons here and there. I don't think that you can have that stance and have watched it 100% all the way through every single episode
0: I in I real time. Think, yeah, I think it would be harder to not. I, I think that there are some people that don't, but I think that it's definitely harder if you've really, from the beginning, been watching. Again, teach their own, and I, I do respect everyone's opinions, but I, it's a very different argument when you've really been in it.
1: And I also don't think that's rewriting history because part of having watched every episode in real time through the years is understanding the areas in which Scott has really fallen short. It's not about erasing those. Like, it, those happen. We are all in complete, full acknowledgement of that fact. But I think in order to really understand the timeline and what Scott was allowed at and how long it had been since they had broken up and the dynamic in between that time, you had to have been watching
0: which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, two main plot lines in episode five. And the first is that Kim has been dating her ex-bodyguard, Shango, for a little while now. We were introduced to him a few episodes back. No need to really get into their full dynamic, but we find out in this episode that he got a job in Australia and he's leaving. So this is their final week together. And you can see that Kim is legitimately sad. My takeaway from this is that it really is true. And this is no disrespect to Pete because I'm sure what he brings out of her truly is unique, but there is a giddiness that comes from Kim exclusively in a new relationship with a man. And I've noticed it just in tracking all of these seasons, whether it's a Chris Humphreys, a Kanye, like someone she ended up with or someone she didn't. Kim just fucking loves men. And I mean that in the most positive way. Like there is just this flirtatiousness that comes out of her that is so fun to
1: watch. Well, it's so funny because in the episode before, when it's her 30th birthday, she's going through all of the flowers that she got sent to her. And it's like, every single one is from a friend. And she's going through every single card being like, please be from a boy that I like. Please be from a boy. Like, Are there any like flowers from any boys here? And I'm like, you're Kim Kardashian searching your bouquet of flowers for your 30th birthday, and you're looking for a boy? Not even a specific boy, just any boy? I'm like, that's the most relatable shit in the whole world. But that's what I'm saying. It really is true that Kim just
0: loves being courted. She appreciates the art of it. And when you watch from the early seasons on, you understand why when she's sitting on her private plane, going to the Dominican Republic for her Sports Illustrated shoot, that she's so touched by Pete having dibs hand delivered. You know what I mean? Like all All roads lead to where we are currently. And all of the little things you understand from watching these seasons, why they're such a big deal to her.
1: Well, that's the whole thing with this point in time of the Kardashians is, and I don't mean the Kardashians, I mean the family, not the show. But th- all of these little things that she's saying, it all connects, like it all connects to the now. And so, for example, when Kim is so upset that is gonna leave, this was never a relationship that was gonna last, but Kim's still like a little heartbroken. And Courtney's the one that's saying, like, Kim is such a hopeless romantic. And it's like, you are literally watching that in full effect right now. When Kim is talking about the little things that she wants out of a relationship or how she feels about the men in her life or like, you know, being a little bit boy obsessed, that's what you're watching now. And so all of those things connecting, I mean, and even the conversation that we always have about how at this point in time, when Kim was 30, This is when it really hits her of like, I thought I would have kids by now. And that's what leads directly into the Chris Humphreys of it all. And so that's one of my favorite parts about watching these early episodes is like the groundwork is all right there. It's all right in front of you. Well, just
0: to get a little bit specific, in current day when she's talking about how she technically made the first move with Pete, she reached out to him and she says, you know, that's so unlike me. It's not something I would normally do. When you watch these earlier seasons, you have a much clearer understanding just how off-brand that is for her. Like, at no point in her life was Kim the girl that would willingly text the guy first. And there is nothing wrong with texting the guy first, but she so deeply appreciates the art of being courted, which is why, like, when you're watching all of this, it does somehow lead you to the fact that, like, wow, she must have really felt something for Pete, even if it was purely a sexual desire, because that is not part of her typical playbook.
1: I mean, and that's what it was, is that it was the sexual desire that kind of took over for a moment. And there's something really empowering about you being the one to be like, wow, I have this desire. I'm going to fulfill it on my own terms. Like, I think there's, that's, you know, that's a really interesting conversation, which is like, there is a difference between wanting to be courted because you want to be in a relationship and you want to date somebody versus like, I want to have my own sexual power in terms of reaching out and like, choosing that for myself.
0: Right. And by the way, there's still a courting process that exists after that. It's just the initial. I, wait, by the way, I so relate and and understand the potential empowerment. I don't know if in that moment, that's how she felt. I mean, in the moment, she made it really clear. She was like, I was literally just DTF. Like (laughs) she had a one track mind, but I'm sure that throughout the process, it was a certain level of empowering for her.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially coming out of a relationship. I mean, the thing that I have been wondering this entire time, which I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to, but I'm so curious if there was anybody in between Kanye and Pete.
0: Like a really DL one?
1: Yeah. Like remember how we were talking about how Chloe is potentially dating this like venture capitalist guy. I forget what we said his job was that Kim kind of set her up with, and they met at like a dinner party or something. I forget what the whole scenario was, but I wonder if there was anybody like that for Kim.
0: I really, really don't think so. I could be wrong, but when you think about it, she filed for divorce from Kanye in February of last year. And technically, her first date with P was, you know, somewhere around October. Not to say there is anything wrong if she did decide to go for someone in that period. I just, don't foresee it. I really, really don't. I would actually put money on the fact that I
1: think Pete was her first. So interesting. And it's so fascinating to jump from one relationship to another. I think in her mind, there was a part of it that felt like
0: a really big deal. Again, not because she anticipated a relationship with Pete, but even just the act of like being sexually intimate with someone else after being married to one person that at the end was a pretty negative relationship for a long time. It, it can. I'm not saying it always does, but it can feel like a really big deal, almost like something you need to do. I know you're listening to this feeling like I'm projecting a little bit, but like I was gonna say, <laughs> but it's true. It's like you know what? I just I need to do this. This is important for me, and I think that on some level, that definitely kind of existed for her, which is why she was like, "Fuck it, I am going to do this, and I'm going to send this text, and I'm going to make it happen." I think actually, the ironic part of it is that they ended up dating.
1: Oh regardless of whether he's the first guy or not since Kanye, absolutely the irony is there that they started dating. I 100,000% believe her that he was just meant to be a palate cleanser. When she sent that text, never in her life did she think that's what was going to happen.
0: Never in her life. I really, really believe that. And by the way, so does he. He's just as shocked as the rest of us.
1: Right. Except he was also the one that said, I'm going to grow on you. Right,
0: but I just don't think when he initially got that text that he could have envisioned that a few months later he was going to be walking the Met Gala red carpet with her. Even if he felt in his mind like this is meant to be, I I still think no matter where your stance was, the progression of this is nothing short of remarkable.
1: Speaking of the text though, you know what we didn't talk about her st- I know we spoke about the fact that she said what the text was when she was on the Today show. The way that I feel about every ounce of information that we get from them is like, okay, and then what? Like, okay, you gave me the text, but like, what did he say back? Like, I'm still I'm still missing something here. Like, I'm still gonna need you to piece together more pieces than you've pieced together thus far.
0: Well, what did I tell you, Julie? Kim Kardashian, professional edger. I mean, the woman has a fucking PhD in it. it it's all she does with us. I, uh- we're not even, we're not necessarily blue-balled because eventually we get it, but we are edged.
1: I wonder if Pete gets that same treatment. <laughs> He's talking about it, It's like, yeah, we've been doing this for years. Welcome yeah, on like, board, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's like you have no idea. Like, you think you're being edged? Just you fucking wait yeah. until you're <laughs> waiting for a piece of information that takes 10 months to come.
0: Yeah. By the way, just like post a screenshot and we we don't have a collective orgasm. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. For a very limited time, comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off and limited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. It's very funny, you know, obviously we're in this era of Courtney where her and Travis's sex life has become very publicized by their own doing. It is clearly something that they get off on just expressing their love to the world. And in this episode of Courtney and Kim Take New York, her and Scott have really taken on and enjoyment for public sex. Obviously, if you watch the episode, it starts because Kim had heard them having sex. So they're like, okay, we got to escape out of the apartment and just do it anywhere we can get it in. And then that started into really getting this fetish for public sex. So much so that they're at Kim's glamour shoot and they're in the bathroom and this like random woman basically walks in on them fucking, which Courtney's like, all right, we got to reel it in here. But it was interesting to see a slight little glimpse of something that we would then later find out is something that Courtney is seemingly very
1: into. That was really interesting for me as well. And I, you know, in the early seasons of Kardashians, and this may have been something that came more from just being young and less about like sexual desires or sexual preferences in that way, but. Her and Scott were so PDA, especially in front of the family. They would be sitting all together, hanging out in the living room. Courtney was sitting on Scott's lap, making out in front of the entire family. And so there are certain things about the way that Courtney interacts in a relationship that while with Travis seemed to be taken to a whole other level. But again, the groundwork for her as well was right there the whole time. Well, I it's really an interesting point because as I'm watching these
0: seasons back, the realization that I've kind of come to is that this is always something Courtney's been into. She was very into it with Scott. However, once the emotional aspect of her relationship with Scott no longer became fun and actually became draining and she felt less emotionally safe, naturally she had less of a desire to have any of these sexual aspects be more publicized. You know what I mean? Like there's clearly a direct correlation between the two things for her, which I totally understand. But it's, it's very interesting to see that maybe it's more magnified with Travis and maybe he has aspects of his personality that enjoy that as well. But my understanding from watching this is like, On some level, Courtney always liked this shit. And once she felt the heightened sense of emotional safety and comfort and also sexual chemistry with the person, it was a natural recipe for this to happen. Again, Travis is probably an extreme case because it's like so intense. But if all the makings were there, she was probably doing this on some level with anyone.
1: No, but you're so right in the sense of like, this was probably a sexual desire that she has had for a while. And this was something that she was always somewhat into, but it really takes feeling very, very safe with someone to, to follow through on the progress of that and like, feel like it's okay. And really like be in tune to what you want and what, like, you know what I mean? And that was something that she clearly felt safe enough with Travis to be able to do. And so it is very interesting watching the difference between Scott and Travis in situations where they're so comparable because it's not typical that certain situations that Courtney was in with Travis would be certain situations that she used to be in with Scott because I, they, their relationships are so inherently different. Scott and Travis are so different as people. And so to find those little links where you can find them and see the way that Courtney does have for similarities that carry over between the two of them. It's honestly reassuring. I was a, I, that's
0: Julie. I was literally about to say it's reassuring because it goes directly against the argument of, like, wow, she's really changed for Travis. Yeah, on some level, I'm sure she is molded to some of his desires, just as he is probably molded to hers. But it's comforting to see that it's always been inside of her. I know we're going like really deep, but I had that exact same thought when I was watching this.
1: Yeah, it's like to know that it wasn't, that it didn't just come out of nowhere. Like, it, right. it, there's no part of me when I watch this where I'm like looking at Courtney and Travis now where I'm like, oh, wow, like, she, where did this come from? Like, I can see where it came from. It came right, from I, her own accord. I see it clear as day. By the way, the cherry on top of this whole episode is that
0: at Kim's glamour shoot, Kanye comes. Just like, as a friend, or potentially as a creative eye. And she thanks him. And then the next scene, she's going on her date with Django. And these are the exact situations and circumstances that he is referencing when he talks about it in interviews. And he's like, Yeah, I just had to wait while she dated these other guys. You know, I just had to let her do her thing. Like, I'm sure he's at this shoot with her, thinking, This is the woman that I'm going to marry. Like, I got to let her, you know, sow her wild oats, but I know she'll be back.
1: That's one of the hardest things about letting go of Kim and Kanye, which, by the way, I have no issue doing now. Like, I'm f- fully past. No part of me wants them to ever get back together. Like, never. But in terms of viewing their relationship as a whole, the the love that Kanye had for her before they were ever a thing is something that just can't be forgotten. And it really no. makes the whole thing harder when you look at why I'm sure that Kim was able to – work hard at this relationship in a time where she maybe, like she said, when she was sitting with Chloe in bed, where she maybe should have walked away earlier or maybe thought to herself that she should have walked away earlier. Like I am sure that whole idea of he waited his whole life for me. Like he waited all of these years for me to come around to him probably stuck with her for a really long time. Oh, I'm sure it definitely
0: did. And on a more like lighthearted note, I was thinking about it from the perspective of the glamor team. Like here's Kim Kardashian doing your cover and Kanye West just shows up like (laughs) as a plus one just because he wants to watch. You know what I mean? Like their relationship really was a unique dynamic. You forget it's Kanye West. At the time, he was significantly more famous than Kim, significantly more famous. Like that was in his golden era. And he was just coming to her shoot on like an off day because he made the time.
1: That's crazy
0: when you think about it.
1: I don't know about you, but I had absolutely zero recollection of him being at this. No, once I saw it, I remembered. I had none. And you know what? I kept trying to think, like, what did I think at the time watching this? Like, what did I think at the time? He was just at Dash a couple of episodes ago. Now he's at her glamour shoot. like. Did I know watching this that Kanye was in love with her, that something was going to happen? Like, I can't remember what it was like when they got together. If it was such like a, oh, duh, obviously they finally made it work thing. Or if it was like, oh, wow. I knew they were kind of friendly, but I didn't see this coming. I think that for me
0: at the time, I was more just hyper aware of how well connected she was. Because I think to me, Kanye West was like the epitome of you know, an A-list celebrity. And for him to always appear so casually to me made me have a better understanding of where I felt she was at in terms of her fame. But I wasn't looking at it from a romantic lens, I don't think, at least at this time.
1: Do you remember what you thought when they first got together?
0: No. I think I thought it was really a power couple. I wish I could go back to that time. I really, really do. Because naturally, you know, our, our views of the whole situation have become so altered by
1: the most recent occurrences. You know what I just thought that is so fun? Mm. We will always have on record from like this point forward, like what we thought of certain things at the time. Like when your kids are like to you one day, like what'd you think of Kevin P? It's like, you can literally be like, oh, listen. That's crazy.
0: I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs>
1: that's, like that's, that's wait, wild.
0: That is a, that's a wild thing to think about. Well, I, not to get all like, Mushy, but to be honest with you, I think it's one of the coolest things about our friendship that, in so many ways, like, you know, throughout doing this, obviously, all these years, like, our friendship has obviously evolved. We've become so, so, so close. And to have like our dynamic recorded is crazy to think about. People, nobody has that. That's crazy. It is. Like, it really is. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think, I mean, I think people do realize, but Julie and I aren't like friends. We're not just like business partners, co hosts. We're literally like, it doesn't get closer. We are in a group chat with every one of my family members. She's like at my house and I'm not even here. Like I you, I can't express the level of closeness and it literally could be documented through audio. It's just
1: crazy. Wow, that's crazy. I know, I know. There's nothing more on brand than me looking at this and be like, wow, like we have such a record of what we thought when Kim and Pete first got together. And you're like, we have a record of our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> that is
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's it Two types of people, you know
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I agree with you It is crazy I'm very, very happy to have that Wow Me too
0: Also, I forgot what this is like Because like during the Kardashians recaps I feel like a lot more people listened Because obviously it was so timely Whereas like this <laughs> If you're here now If you're a minute 48 or whatever it is Of Courtney and Kim Take New York season one Like you're an OG So I feel entirely safe Like, you know, people don't even know about these conversations because some people don't like a lot of people don't even listen to the end of these episodes.
1: Honestly, I can't believe that anybody knows about these conversations.
0: No, I don't blame the people that don't. Out of our three episodes a week when we're doing these throwbacks, this is like, all right, you're really here for a reason. But I'm just saying it's kind of fun. I feel like it's a safe space.
1: I fucking love it so much. Me too.
0: Okay. We love you guys so much, Isabel. And I will see you, I think on Friday for Bravo. Yes, because Southern Charm comes out Thursday night. So on Friday for Bravo and thank you for listening. We love you.